homily for Corpus Christi Sunday, June 23, 2019, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. There's an old story that a Baptist preacher once told a Catholic friend of his, if that's really what you say it is, if that is truly the body and blood of Jesus up there on that altar, I wouldn't dare walk to the front of the church and back to my place. I would go every single inch of the way crawling on my knees. He was reacting to something that we tend to take for granted. Our senses cannot determine or prove in a laboratory what our faith says is true. To the rest of the world, even many baptized Christians of other denominations, we Catholics go way out on a limb. The Church's teaching about what happens in the sacrament of the Eucharist has scandalized those who refuse to accept it since the very beginning. Rather than to modify his teachings and the Gospel of John in order to settle down the protesting crowd, Jesus doubled down. Rather than to change course as a sort of recruiting tool or a way to reach out to skeptics, we continue to hold firm. I like to treat the homily for this day as a sort of tutorial about what we believe and why. Could each of us describe in a concise soundbite to the man or woman on the street what we mean when we talk about the Eucharist? We better be able to, not only to share the treasure that we have, but also to grow in our own love for Christ. The great majority of those who fall away from the church do not know what they have, with the gift of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And if they did, they would be loath to abandon that gift. Consider everything that you see around you and everything you possess. God created all of it out of nothing. Well, is it a greater accomplishment to change one created thing into another? And yet that's exactly what the church declares is happening at every Mass. Through the priesthood Jesus established and the sacrament first given at the Last Supper, the bread and wine that we offer are changed into the substance of the very body and blood of Christ, who suffered, died, was buried, and rose from the dead. But some will argue, why then doesn't the Eucharistic species look or taste any different than they did before the consecration? That's because the kind of change that occurs in the Eucharist is rarely, if ever, manifest elsewhere in the world. Let's use some examples to illustrate this. When a woman's hair turns gray, is she a different person than before? Of course not. Only an external appearance has changed. Whether she thinks it's a big deal or not is beside the point. Sometimes, changes affect both the substance and appearance of a thing. Think of a log placed on a bonfire. As the wood burns, it not only looks different, but it turns into ashes. The reason why we can say that a change occurs in the Eucharist is that the substance of the bread and wine change, while the outward characteristics, as well as the data a microscope would give you, do not change. Just because this is uncommon doesn't mean it is impossible. One can point to a number of documented Eucharistic miracles that have taken place in the Church's history, in which the Eucharistic elements took on the outward appearances of human flesh and blood. In one popular case, 
Researchers could both identify the blood type of the elements and determine that the host was the muscular tissue of a human heart. As amazing as these instances are, we ought not to insist that the same signs occur in our presence to validate the reality of the Eucharist. Our Savior wants to be in communion with us so badly that he consents to becoming our food and drink. What utter humility and vulnerability are on display. We need to remember that our receiving Christ in Holy Communion requires from us a suitability to do so. St. Paul went so far as to say in one of his letters to the Corinthians that those who eat and drink of the Eucharist unworthily, that is, not in a state of grace, eat and drink condemnation upon themselves. Strong words, but it's what he chose to use. Going to communion is a decision that must conform to one's being properly disposed to do so. Our responsibility is to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. If we are able to receive the Eucharist, so much the better. If we are not disposed to receive him, we know the remedy God gives to remove the stain of serious sin from our souls. Personally, I would not look askance at anyone who periodically refrains from receiving communion at Mass. I would rather admire the choice not to dishonor Jesus by receiving him unworthily. That being said, let's get the, let's get the sin taken care of and be reunited quickly with our brothers and sisters around the Lord's table. I also want to remind you that all priests have the duty to protect the Eucharist. Practically speaking, this means that I make sure that everyone who receives the host in the hand consumes it immediately. One shudders to even think of such things, but it's not unheard of for people to sneak off with a consecrated host from a Catholic Mass for occult practices and satanic rituals. Whatever mode you choose, let's not dismiss as old-fashioned receiving the host on one's tongue. This is a means of God directly feeding us. As you are in line, when the person in front of you has received communion, the Church asks us to make a sign of reference, such as a slight bow, before we ourselves receive. This is an example where little things mean a lot. Instead of being in a robotic trance, we are invited to show proper respect for the extraordinary miracle we have witnessed of Jesus making himself present to us in this way. Lastly, it's important to evaluate our conduct before and during our attendance at Mass. Because of the sacred nature of Holy Communion, the Church asks us to fast for an hour prior to receiving our Lord. Water and medication are the only exceptions. It is desirable that a physical hunger accompany our spiritual hunger for the Eucharist. An hour is not a lengthy amount of time. Having coffee or juice before you head out the door is likely going to break your communion fast, as well as chewing gum. You may think you're being discreet, but remember that from the front of the church, I have a different vantage point of folks' chomping mouths than you do. I assure you it's not a pretty picture. I appreciate that every single one of you is here. I hope you know that. But permit me to ask, if you were habitually in a rush to get here and arrive late, 
What is your state of recollection, or lack thereof, when you get to your pew? Our human nature easily gets preoccupied and scatterbrained. It takes a while to settle in and place ourselves in a posture of prayer. I invite you to give yourself some time in your routine to pray and collect your thoughts before Mass begins. Otherwise, the temptation is to come rolling in and be here without really being present to God, and then to complain later that we didn't get anything out of Mass today. Long story short, Jesus is so unfailingly present to us. We do well to consider what we are presenting of ourselves to him. Amen.